Excellent. Uh, great to be with you all this morning. And um, I'm going to be speaking us, uh, with, uh, to us from Colossians chapter 2. So if you want to be finding your Bibles there, just as we get ourselves organised and ready for the morning, I'm going to be talking about what it means to emerge from a tough season. Um, is there a sense that we're starting to emerge from this? Do you dare to believe that we're beginning to emerge I remember uh, driving with the kids once uh, and uh, as a family and with Rachel, we drove down to uh, the south of Europe and we went through the, the, the Mont Blanc Tunnel. It's one of the longest road tunnels. It goes right underneath uh, the mountain. It's 20 odd miles long, I don't know. You know. And there's a speed limit on it, you can't go too fast. And we start in the tunnel and straight away, uh, how long is this tunnel going to be, Dad? <laughs> Are we through it yet? And you're thinking, okay. Um, no, it's quite a long way to go yet. Um, all right. And, uh, you know, just don't worry. We'll be getting through this tunnel, you know. And then about halfway through, when you know that the whole weight of the mountain <laughs> is above your head, you know, and the kids are, you know, how much further is it, Dad? No, don't worry. We'll get, you know. And then after a little while, you know you're coming towards the end of the tunnel, but nothing seems different. It all seems the same. It's still the same darkness and the, the lights and the and, and the kids are saying, you know, <laughs> how much longer are we going to be in this, Dad? You know, and I could say, not much longer now. Not much longer now. We're nearly there. All right. Even though we couldn't see the end of it, we knew we were nearly there. We're nearly there. All right. We're nearly there, folks. <laughs> Okay, let's, you know, you, you can allow yourself to look at, you know, we've got a little way to go yet, but you can look at each other and say, you know, we're nearly there, we're nearly there, we're going to get through this. Yeah, I remember doing, in my military days, being uh, on uh, night patrol, and they'd stick me in a foxhole on my own, you know, and uh, the whole security of the base depended on my diligence, and, uh, you know, I, I find it hard to stay awake in the middle of the day, you know, and here I am in the middle of the night, and I've got my little hand warmer to keep me warm, and it's pitch black, and I'm trying to see the enemy. Where's the enemy going to come from? And the, the darkness is closing in, and the fear is closing in. And then my, my little hand warmer that I had to keep me warm has gone out, and I'm cold. And, the, and then ever so imperceptibly, you just see uh, the, the, the colours start to change. And you start thinking, hang on, you know, uh, I was a bit afraid of what was over in that corner. I can see what it is now. And the, 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 the light starts to grow, and then the sun starts to rise. And you think, I'm nearly there. I'm nearly through, you know. And that's what it's been like for us. It's been a tough season. It really has. You know, I mean, we can, we can all be sort of uh, a, a bit of bravado about it all, but it's been tough on many, many levels uh, this, this season over the past year or so. But I think we are coming through. All the indications are that we're coming through. So how do we emerge from a tough season? So I'm going to read from Colossians 2, um, verses 1 to 7. And this is Paul. He'd written to uh, a couple of churches in Colossae and Laodicea. They were quite close by, and he's, they'd been going through a ton of trial and difficulty, and he was writing to encourage them and strengthen them in a time of... In a tough season, he was writing to them, saying, come on, we can get through this. He said, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, 
so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are, how firm your faith in Christ is. And so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. So this is Paul's goals for a church that has been through a tough season. He's concerned for their spiritual welfare. And, you know, he's saying, right, okay, this is what we need to aim for as we come out of this tough season. And it's not, not necessarily what we might expect. What are these goals? I mean, I, you know, I am um, spend quite a lot of my time among leaders in the churches, and there's lots of things they're talking about, about what's coming next. How do we re-promote the church? You know, what about our goals for evangelism or community programs? How are we going to use our buildings? What's the new normal going to be? What should our worship be like in the new normal? And so on and so forth. But Paul doesn't refer to any of these. Okay, not that those things aren't important. They are important. But Paul has got completely different goals in mind. Okay, how are you going to get out of this? How are you going to come through this? Well, these are the goals that Paul has in mind. Okay, number one, our goal is to be encouraged in heart. Okay, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart. The word Paul uses um, is the word paracaline. It can mean comfort. It can mean to exhort someone. But it's always in the sense of enabling someone to meet a difficult situation with confidence and strength. One of the indications of mature faith is that there is strength of heart when things are tough. I was reading from uh, Habakkuk in chapter 3. He says this, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the field produces no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, that's a pretty tough time. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and he enables me to tread on the heights. Isn't that fantastic? He is clearly going through a tough season. But he is strengthened because of his confidence in God. He knows God's character. He knew that God was sufficient for him in all things, even though the circumstances that faced him were fairly bleak. He knew that God loved him. He knew that God was faithful. So no matter what his outward circumstances, Habakkuk trusted what he knew to be eternally true. And it strengthened him in his heart. And that's the sort of faith that Paul is wanting from the church. You know, many of us here have been through some, some tough times. It's been very difficult. You know, it's been exhausting in many ways. So let's find ways to encourage each other in our hearts. Come on. We can get through this. God's on our side. We're not from this place. We're passing through this place. Real life is ahead of us. The world is lucky to have us. 
<laughs> yeah, the world is, is very blessed and fortunate to have you because you're not here for long. You're passing through and you know where you're going and you know where your hope is and where your future is. And the people around us have no hope and no future. Yeah, they're lucky to have you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's focus on ways we can encourage each other in heart. It's too easy to be distracted by difficulties, by differences of opinion, about different things. No, come on. We can get through this. Okay, so our goal is, let's be encouraged in heart. Our goal is to be united in love, Paul goes on in verse 2. Even a casual reading of scripture is going to quickly convince you that one of the hallmarks, the stamp of the church, of the people of God, is that we love one another in a way that is not common in the world. Yeah, it's not common in the world. People think they love one another. Okay, I don't want to judge but when the chips are down, you, know, you really know, you know. We are, we, we, are, we are being coached by Jesus. As he has loved us, we love one another. And it's one of the hallmarks of the church, that we love one another in an extraordinary way. You know, see how they love one another, and then you'll know, the world will know that you belong to Jesus. That's what it, Jesus says. Yeah, Paul prays that we might be united in love. Without that love, differences will divide and disrupt and destroy. A unity of love protects us from becoming prisoners to ourselves, actually, to our own pet theories and doctrines, our own pet opinions or preferences. Love protects us from that. No, we prefer one another. We consider others better than ourselves. We consider ourselves with sober judgment. These are the, all the attributes of a community that has learned how to love one another and making every effort to be in unity. Love keeps us from using other people's faults to justify our own faults, you know, or the, the Barnard Castle effect, as I call it. Well, if he does it, I can do it, you know. Well, don't look at me. What about him? You know? Oh, that's not love. <laughs> love is saying that, hey, I want to be the best I can be in Jesus. And I am going to think first about the needs of others before the needs of my own. Love within a church is an amazing power. All of us are longing to find the place where we're loved and where we're accepted. Everybody's longing for that. Everybody is. You know, not... We're not commodities. It's not about what you can contribute, although obviously we all want to play our part and serve with our whole heart. But it's a community built around Jesus, full of the love of God. You know, what does that look like? What are some of the characteristics of a church united in love? Well, we, we genuinely treasure each other. Yeah? Now you think, well, you might say, well, that's not really quite been my experience. Okay, but that's our aspiration is that we look around at each other and we think, you know what, you are really special people and you're very, very special to me. You know, and really sincerely special. You're my, my blood brothers and sisters in the blood of Christ. Yeah. You're going to have to spend eternity with me, so you better get on with me. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere, you know. This is who you're going to see 
It's a treasure, it's special. This is a very precious community. It's not just a, a, a social group. It's not a club I attend. It's not a series of meetings. It's not a dry duty or obligation that I have to endure. It's my family here. It's really, this is precious. I treasure this. You know, we, we highlight one another's gifts and abilities rather than our faults and failures. We help one another with our weaknesses and shortcomings, but that's not our focus. We focus on each other's potential, not the problem. I remember being part of a church once, and it seemed like when anybody ever joined, <laughs> all they ever wanted to do was figure out what was their problem. Let's figure out what their problem is. Oh, I know what their problem is. And I'm thinking, no, we should be figuring out what is their potential. Yeah, what is their possibility? What has God stored up in them? Not, not what is the problem we've got to fix, you know. Let's think of each other in that way. Celebrate the gifts and blessings of each other without envy. Gathering around each other in times of sadness and loss. Allowing each other to have bad days. Do you ever have a bad day? Yeah, you don't cancel someone because they have a bad day. We all have bad days, come on. Quick to forgive. Intentional about acting in kindness towards each other. Defending each other in public and in private. Yeah, defend each other. Protect one another. I'm so grateful for the protection of God. Love always protects. That's what love does. It protects. I'm so grateful God protects me and protects my reputation. You know, And we should be doing the same for one another. We protect one another's reputation in public and in private. We say, no, no, don't talk about them like that. Come on, try and understand their point of view. Try and understand their situation. You know, no, no, that's not. And in private as well. You're not sitting there getting gossip, gossip, gossip. You know, no, 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 that's not a loving community. Defending each other. Willing to do things differently to how we would necessarily prefer because it's for the greater good or for the honour of Christ, you know. And as we're going through a list like this, love is thinking about how you can love other people better, not thinking about the other people who should be loving you better. <laughs> that's, not, that's not love thinking, yeah, that's right, Morris. You should be loving me more. Yeah. Okay. So our goal is, coming through a tough season, be strong in faith, encouraged in heart, be united in love, don't let the enemy get in and try and separate us out. Be characterised by knowledge and understanding. We, we, this is one of our goals, is that we're growing in knowledge and understanding. Paul says that as we're faithful in our love for one another and strengthening one another in our hearts, he says it leads to the full riches of complete understanding. There's something significant in this. What does it mean to be full of knowledge and understanding? Paul is saying, well, if you learn to love one another and encourage one another, you're going to discover what it is. That's where the key is. It's quite interesting. I could unpack that more. But let's just take that at face value, that as we, we, we press in to Christ and to one another, we will grow in our understanding that we might know the mystery of God, which is namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's an awful lot of opinions out there at the moment. Friends, I know, you go on the social media, there's an awful lot of stuff going on out there. Where are you going to find the truth? Where are you going to find knowledge and wisdom? You're going to find it in Christ. You're not going to find it in some political agenda 
or philosophical ideology or particularly popular social media commentator. All the mysteries of knowledge and understanding are found in Christ. Okay? So, you know, this is more than just factual information. You know, it's not about we've got to learn more facts, but it's why are those facts important and how do they relate to those lives? And those facts are rooted in a deeper knowledge of Christ. Now, this isn't the sort of the lazy, um, you know, whatever the question, the answer is also always Jesus thing. It is absolutely an eschatological and eternal reality that you will never make sense of anything in this world or the next unless you look at it through the lens of Jesus. You can't. It's impossible. You're going to try every single, single rational and philosophical approach. All right? And people are doing that at the moment. Everywhere you look, that's what they're doing. They're trying to find answers. They're trying to find... No, the, the answers are all in Jesus. They're all there. A deeper knowledge of Jesus. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, that we learn to think like Jesus, that our instincts and appetites and attitudes are default to those of Jesus. That's where the deeper mysteries are resolved. That's where you find these answers. All knowledge and all understanding is found there. Allow his word to abide in us. Train our minds to think like Jesus. This is our great goal. Continually growing in knowledge and understanding. Knowledge through Christ, gives substance to faith. Otherwise, we're relying on opinions or emotions or inherited ideas or social media. Those things will not enable you to grasp the deeper mysteries of understanding and knowledge. No, in Christ you will grasp these things. Deepen in Jesus. Learn about him. Read about him. Read what matters to him. Let his words dwell in you so that you start to react to the events of life the way Jesus would react. And then you're going to understand all this. You're not going to find it anywhere else. It stabilizes us. This knowledge stabilizes us during times of testing. When we know God's promises, we've got something to hold on to in those times of struggle. You know, We have an anchor that holds in the storm. We have a sure foundation. Our lives are built on rock. You know, this knowledge helps us to understand the Bible accurately. The more we know the Bible, the better and more accurately we're able to interpret the Bible. You know, people have all these opinions about the Bible. They've never read the thing. Come on, read it. Then you can start, you know, or they, they're really interested in one bit of the Bible and they read that all the time, but they don't read the rest of it. You think, come on, no, read it all. And then you can, you know, because the Bible interprets itself. Right, small aside. Okay. Um, I'm not going to go into detail about this. There's a new translation or recent translation of the Bible that's come out called the Passion Translation. Okay, the jury is still out on that translation. All right, you may have come across that. It's been promoted quite heavily in some areas. There's some questions about that translation. Be careful about what translation you read. There are reliable translations out there. I've got some, con there's some concerns about that particular translation. When someone starts talking about, you know, revelation through angelic visitation, I read about someone who did that once before. His name was Joseph Smith, and it didn't end well. Those who have ESD. <laughs> okay, so that's just a little aside because there's a bit of a topic out there at the moment. 
be cautious about that translation. I'm not convinced that it's a particularly helpful translation. <clears throat> Knowledge equips us to detect and confront error. You know, if you, as, as you deepen in knowledge and understanding, then you can be more alert to that which is counterfeit and false. You just, you know, the, the word of Christ abides in you, his spirit is with you. There's like the alarm bells starting to go, this doesn't, this doesn't taste right, something not quite right here. Well, that comes from imbibing truth and imbibing knowledge and understanding. So that's what, Paul, that's what Paul's goal is. You think, why are you talking about this, Morris, when we're talking about coming out of COVID? Because that's what Paul said is the way we come through a time of testing. We come through, we, we strengthen and encourage each other in our heart. We, uh, we, we, we pull together in love. And as we do so, we grow in knowledge and understanding and we become mature. and We rise above the events of this world. We learn to understand the seasons that we're going through. You know, to be discerning in difficult times. Paul says, I'm telling you this. Why has he told you this? So that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. How many fine-sounding arguments have I had to endure over the last year? So many fine-sounding arguments about what's happening in the world, where we're going, who's right, who's wrong. Oh, man alive, you know, if you were to read on in 2 Colossians to verse 8, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ, in whom all the riches of knowledge and understanding are to be found. So, we have to learn how to discern in tough times and work our way through. You know, we, Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, he says, you know, the time will come when people, people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around themselves a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So... I don't spend too much time on social media because it absolutely winds me up. <laughs> and, but when I do spend time on social media, I do get wound up just by how easily people will give weight and substance to something that's got no weight or substance. You know, I heard someone say something that, you know. Um, my brother's aunt's cousin's dog's handler said this. And you're thinking, why are you giving so much authority to these voices? You know, oh, this this scientist has been gagged because he's telling the real truth. What about all the other scientists who haven't been gagged? You know, no, but the one who's been gagged, he must be telling the truth. You know, and you think, come on, you know, we've got to learn to be discerning in this. Not everybody who sounds like an expert is an expert. You know, <laughs> what have they? Okay. What have they built? How's it working? I'm a, I'm a, if I'm looking to someone, I'm thinking, I want to learn from you. I'm, I'm interested in who they are, not just what they say. How does it work out? So when I'm thinking about spiritual matters, I think, how does it work out for you in practice? I know it works out for your wife or husband. How does it work out for your kids? How, what's the reality of your truth in your day-to-day -day life? That matters to me, actually. It's not just, oh, this guy looks impressive. His website's great, you know. Um, he must be right. <laughs> no, I, you know, I think there's a very, very strong connection between truth and relationship. That's another sermon. That's another sermon, you know. Jesus says, I am the way, 
and the truth. You know, truth is a relationship. It's not some sort of object philosophy. Authority of truth is best worked out in relationship. But you know, we learn to be discerning. <clears throat> discerning about politics. You know, what, what's your politics? What's your... people? There's something. You know, am I a kingdom capitalist? Am I a, a Jesus-centered socialist? You know, people. There's a lot of talk about the moment about politics. You know, and um, you know, what, what, some people almost also believe that you know we need to Christianize politics and everything will be okay. Even see that as a sort of an eschatological goal that we Christianize all of the agencies of our society, then all will be well. Um, that's not my conviction. I think you know Jesus came to redeem his church out of the world. And so, you know, when people ask me, what is your politics, Morris? I said, actually, my politics is Jesus. I know you knew, you knew I was going to say that, didn't you? What's your politics? It's Jesus. Yeah? Because the government will be on whose shoulders? He's my government. He's the government. You know, I'm looking forward to heaven. Right. Who's going to be um, a champion for the National Health Service in heaven? <laughs> oh, hey, on, Morris, there's no sickness or sorrow or suffering or death. All right, okay, we don't need a National Health Service. <laughs> okay, well, who's going to be in charge of fiscal policy then? Well, actually, you can go and buy whatever you want without money. Oh, crumbs. Okay, we'll do that later then. All right, what about our defence policy? <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> come on. The government is on his shoulders. He's the king. He rules and reigns. You know, most of our governmental systems exist to handle the fact that we haven't got a clue what we're doing. We have to mitigate for injustice. We have to mitigate for greed. We have to mitigate for the fact that everybody wants just the best for themselves and not for other people. And that's why governmental systems exist. You know, Jesus is my government. He's my politics. So let's be consistent in daily living. Paul says, and disciplined in our discipleship. You know, I delight to see how orderly you are. This is military terminology. It, it, it pictures a disciplined military unit. This is in verse 5. We can picture a parade ground with soldiers marching in formation. The message is clear. You know, this group has become a, a disciplined group of soldiers. In, in the battle, the group is organized. Everyone does their job. They remain solid in the face of opposition. That's what he's, he's saying. Come on, this is how you get through this. Pull together. Pull together. This is how you get through this. Don't pull back. Don't think, you know, you know when the enemy puts us under pressure, it's not run for the hills, every man for himself. It's no, we'll get through this as we pull together as we are disciplined in our discipleship, as we're orderly, keeping our shape, not letting the enemy separate us with fears and divisions and opinions. Everybody playing their part, keeping our discipline in difficult times, being consistent in daily living. I think this is so, such an important evaluation of our spiritual well-being, is how, how are we affected when the pressure is on? Do, we, do things change when the pressure is on? Do we reach to other things to comfort ourselves? Do we think, well, oh, crumbs, you know, I've got to look out for number one now. What is it that we default to when the pressure is on? 
I found over the years that the most important thing is not to be bent out of shape. Continue living the life in all circumstances. You know, we've lived through times where we've been challenged, where it, it, it's, you know, fears have been stirred. Uh, concerns are raised. We're, our life is not the way it would normally be, but my internal universe, my internal life is consistent. I am who I am in Christ. You know, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. You know, you know in him I am without blemish and free from accusation. You know, his perfect love overcomes all fear. Don't get bent out of shape. Now think, oh no, hang on. Things are really difficult. Forget all that. <laughs> I've got to go and eat lots of chocolate and go and hide and not meet people. Uh, you know, whatever, you know, whatever our, our, our default might have been before we were in Christ. No, we stay consistent. The enemy wants to distract you from things of the kingdom by making your horizon very small, keeping you focused on immediate problems and difficulties. And if our horizon is small, then any problem will dominate it. Yeah. The other thing the enemy will try to do is disconnect you from friends and peers who can provide you with the very support and strength you need in a time of trial. That's what the enemy will do. You think, you know, I'm better off looking after myself. No, you're not. That's what the enemy wants. Yeah. Connection is exactly what we need at a time like this. Not self-sufficiency and independence. To be with our family, being spiritually refreshed, Aligning ourselves with the bigger kingdom picture and much more helps to put immediate local pressures in their proper perspective. And then finally, our goal is to be overwhelmed with gratitude. <laughs> That's where Paul lands. These are the results of being rooted and built up. The first it will be strengthened in our faith. The second result of this consistent walk with Jesus is an overwhelming sense of gratitude. As we emerge from this season of trial, what Paul's expectation is, his goal is, I'm not saying you should be, because I know some of you have been through some really tough times, and I'm not diminishing that but Paul is saying as we come through these tough times we are able to reflect with great gratitude that's that's a mark of of mature faith is that like a in the in the midst of the battle in the midst of loss in the midst of grief in the midst of things that we don't understand in the midst of why God in the midst of all of that we can stand back and say but I have overwhelming gratitude. There, this is the result of a consistent walk with Christ. As you mature, as we mature in faith, something surprising happens. You become more grateful than you were at first. You see increasingly how awesome and great God is you begin to understand his holiness and his power and his purity and you understand he needs nothing to be complete. You understand he has done everything necessary to make it possible for us to be delivered from a broken world. We don't belong here. 
that we've been redeemed and delivered, and not through anything we've done to deserve this, but because of his mercy and great love for us. The, I think, sadly, I, see, I can observe this sometimes, that the, mature, the, the, the person who has been a Christian for a long time can, if they're not walking consistently with Christ, with all of these goals that we've just talked about, they can become more fearful or rigid or opinionated <laughs> But the mature believer becomes softer, more humble, and much more grateful. So my question really, as I finish this, is as we come through this tough time, and as you reflect on all of the trials and difficulties that we've had to endure, how grateful are you? How grateful are you? Yeah, as we emerge from a tough season, you know, our goal is to be encouraged in heart, united in love, growing in knowledge and understanding, discerning in difficult days, disciplined in discipleship, consistent in daily living, and overwhelmed with gratitude. Paul says, overflowing with thankfulness. I just want to encourage you to think. I was just. You know, let's remember to be a grateful church as we come through this season. It's easy to be grateful when things are going well. Yeah? It's important to remember gratitude and be overflowing in thankfulness when things are difficult. He is still the same God, right? The salvation is as glorious as ever. We still have a wonderful destiny. We still have his power and his presence with us in every moment of life. His grace is still amazing. His love is still overwhelming. Man, I had a ratatouille moment in worship. You know what I mean by that? You've ever seen the film where the food critic comes in and he has his little bowl of ratatouille and it brings him right back to his childhood. And I had a ratatouille moment when Chris left, let us in that song, I Lift My Hands, you know. I was, I, was, I was back 20 years ago. It's good to sing some of these old songs sometimes, you know, and just remembering, oh, man, uh, slightly more innocent days. <laughs> and uh, the tears welled up. You just think, oh, God, I'm so grateful. What a God you are. Your love is so overwhelming. The enemy is still defeated, and he will remain Always defeated. Jesus is the victor. The king is on the throne. Our father is pouring his love out into his hearts by his spirit. We are overflowing with thankfulness. Hallelujah. Let's just pause for a moment, okay? Because I know I'm, I'm, no, I'm talking to some people here. I know some of your personal circumstances. It's not been an easy year. I'm not... Please don't think I'm saying, hey, you know, praise the Lord anyway. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this is about perspective. You know, the, the trials of this world, they melt away when we consider the joy set before us. And we reflect on that, you know, with bitter sweetness when we think about the loss and grief and trial of this life. We think about the fact that death is swallowed up by victory. And we have this, you know, every, we have this amazing inheritance ahead of us. And we're overwhelmed with gratitude. So just, I just want to encourage us, just as I finish now, just take a moment where you are, just silently. You know, you might just, just bow your head.
and just bring to mind why you are so grateful and thankful to your God. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the same yesterday and today and forever. Thank you, Lord, that the uh, things that we've always known to be true about you remain true for all eternity, even when we walk through a tough season, a a dark tunnel, uh, a deep valley. Lord, these things remain true. I just think about Habakkuk saying, look, you know, there's nothing here, and yet I still trust in my God. And Lord, we, we want to be men and women who understand the times and the days and the seasons, and we want to understand that we are, we're not subject to this world in the way uh, the people of this world are subject to the world. We're not part of this kingdom anymore. We're not part of the kingdom of darkness. We're now delivered into the kingdom of the Son whom you love. And uh, we're, we're subjects of another king. We're subjects of another government. We're subjects of another kingdom. And we're so grateful, God. We're so grateful for this great salvation. We're so grateful for this lavish grace. We're so grateful for this relentless mercy. We're so grateful for the encounter day by day with the experience of your love, not just the knowledge of it, but the tangible, empowering, overwhelming presence of God by his spirit in our hearts that is a deposit that guarantees our inheritance that says, Abba Father, deep calls to deep. You love me. God, I love you. I'm going to be with you for all eternity. My heart is overflowing with gratitude in the midst of difficult days. Thank you that you brought us through this time. Help us to draw together and uh, encourage one another in heart, be united in love. Teach us, Lord, to be discerning and to reach for the depths of the riches of Christ in all knowledge and understanding. Help us, Lord, to be consistent uh, and diligent followers of Christ, not bent out of shape by every wind of new teaching, not bent out of shape by uh, adversity and trial but holding our shape, saying, no, I'm for Christ. My confidence is in him. I am who I am. And whatever I face, I'm not going to be bent out of shape. I'm not going to allow the enemy to separate me out. I'm not going to allow the enemy to push me back to my, my, my old godless ways and habits. I'm going to stay firm because, Jesus, you've done this. You've made a way. And, Lord, we overflow with gratitude for all that you've given us and continue to give us in this day and in the days to come. Lord, bless my treasured brothers and sisters in this room. To those listening to us, Lord, over the internet, we treasure one another, Lord Jesus. We're not just fighting for our rights to meet, Lord. We long to be together because we treasure one another. Lord, teach us to know how to show one another that we treasure 
one another as we treasure you. As you have loved us, we would love one another, Lord God. And that we just thank you for the privilege of being part of your household, of your family, of your kingdom, under your government. Lord Jesus, what a life that you've given us, that we don't deserve it. You've poured it out on us and given it to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness and your kindness to us. Amen. 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 Amen.